it's spring in Indiana, which that means it's, uh, we'll be 70 degrees this morning and we'll get uh, eight inches of snow tonight with a tornado in between. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it also means we're one step closer to the Indy 500. That's true. Although I can't talk about that yet because it's not May. Okay. It's still late. Fair enough. My bad. We can cut that part out. Yeah. That's what I'm told anyway. Not about the race, but that it's April. Seems like it's February 2nd over and over and over again. But maybe that's just because uh, what's going on in the world continues to go on. Well, anyway, it's good stuff, though, mostly. I mean, a lot of craziness, but for those uh, in, in manufacturing and distribution and in our world, it's, it's good. Consumer products, things like that. Things are still, things are still hopping, for sure. All right. Well, welcome back to the Industrious Podcast, everyone. We apologize for a little bit of a delay. We know you missed us, um, but time to get back on the horse. Spring break is over, as Joe said. Um, in Indiana, it, it's not really spring break time. It's it's whatever spring means in Indiana, which means every other hour is different. Um, this year, or sorry, this episode's guest, uh, Mr. Chris Wallace, or maybe I should say Coach Chris Wallace. We'll get into that of the IMA, which is the Indiana Manufacturers Association, is joining us today. Uh, welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thanks. Appreciate you guys having me. Glad yeah. to be here. Absolutely. Um, why don't you give our listeners and viewers a little background history on yourself? Yeah, so I've uh, kind of a lifelong resident of, of Indiana. I was born uh, down in Evansville, down in southern Indiana. Okay. Um, moved up here when I was three, though, so I've spent you know all my childhood and, and actually all my adult years in Indianapolis, um, you know, doing the, doing the normal stuff that kids do, right, when they grow up. I mean, playing every sport there was to play, watching every sport there was to play, and right. if it didn't have to do with sports, I probably didn't have too much to do with it. So, um, you know, af after that, uh, spent my high school years at Bishop Chittard. We did? Okay. Uh, yep. You're the fellow side. Trojan. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Go Trojans. So, we've all got something in common here. Um, after that, uh, went to IUPUI, um, so I graduated with a degree from the Wright School from, uh, from Indiana University, right. not, <laughs> not, the, not the other side, it's not the other side. Um, and then that, that kind of, you know, led me right into the, right into the work world. So, um, you know, I kind of got my, got my start as a manufacturer's rep for okay. years and years, uh, before, uh, brought me to the IMA. What were you repping when you were doing that side of the, side of the house, I should say? Yeah, I, I wasn't actually on, on the industrial side. I was uh -huh. in the uh, apparel and sporting goods side. Sure. So I uh, uh, represented K-Swiss Athletic Footwear for years, okay. um, Cutter and Buck, which yeah. is a golf apparel line, right. Callaway apparel. So I've, uh, again, that's probably my my uh, my fetish of staying around sports uh, sure. kind of led me to those lines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Gotcha. Now, were you doing that on your own, or are you doing it with a, with a company that was? Um, I was. I start, started out uh, as part of a rep group. It was okay. based out of Cleveland, um, and then I went out on my own after that. So. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So then, at what point did the IMA come into the world? After I was a manufacturer's rep for for quite a few years. Um, I actually kind of transitioned there into uh, the promotional products world. Um, so I had a just a small uh, promotional products distributorship. It was it was a one man show by by choice. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that uh, 
13, 14 years. Um, actually still have that business um, on the side, but opportunity with the with the Indiana Manufacturers Association, you know, came presented itself and uh, it was just kind of time to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, I'd been around manufacturers my entire career. Sure. Um, so it was just, it was kind of a natural fit for the IMA. Yeah. How long have you been there? Uh, coming up on three years. Oh, okay. So yeah. somewhat recent. Yes. Three uh-huh. years. So, so in, 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 in this day and age, three years, meaning like three decades with COVID. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I suspect then that you were selling promotional products to some of the manufacturers and then perhaps, is that how you became aware of the IMA um, or it became aware of you? Not necessarily. I mean, I had some manufacturers as clients. Um, uh, actually, you know, just for whatever reason, I happened to see it on on LinkedIn and thought, you know, yep. this looks kind of interesting, and threw my hat in the ring. And three years later, here we here we sit. So right, yeah, with a couple of buffoons recording you on a podcast. Congratulations! Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the way it's supposed to go. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Moving on up like the Jeffersons. Um, what, uh, I guess, if, tell, tell us a little bit more about the IMA. What, what is the mission of the IMA? So the, the Indiana Manufacturers Association, just to, in the simplest terms, we're the, we're the trade association within the state of Indiana for the manufacturing industry. Okay. Um, so our, our, our mission is we are basically the, 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 the voice of our members at the state house. So right. we, we represent their interest um, on, on all matters of public policy. Um, that's, that's really kind of the, the overriding mission of, of what we do. You know, our, our members, you know, they're, they're tied up day in and day out, just like you guys running their own business. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to, to kind of follow what's going on, you know, within the legislature and all of that. So that's what we do on their behalf. Um, we, we try to advocate for uh, a real pro-business environment. We want to make it easier to do business in Indiana, um, promoting quality manufacturing jobs, that sort of thing. Sure. So without, or maybe maybe we do want to stir things up a little bit. What are, what are the hot topics of the day? Well, I'll tell you, you know, really for about the past, I mean, really since I started, um, the manufacturers that I talk to, number one on their hit list is workforce issues. Yeah. And it's really kind of one, one A, one B, and one C. It's we've got a population problem. Right. Um, we can relate to that. Exactly. Yeah, we have a few job openings. Do you? Yeah. Um, so um, if you could figure out the workforce thing by you know, meaning actually enriching it, uh, adding just human capital, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's a combination of hey, here's this opening. Not only we're we getting a lot less um, applications for it than we used to. Mm-hmm. But then you get a, a resume, and it's like one sentence on a piece of paper. I'm like, that's not really a resume. Um, so that's a bit challenging as well. Yeah, I I can't I can't think of the last manufacturer's facility that I've pulled up in the parking lot, and there hasn't been huge sign out front. You know, yeah. now hiring. Um, so I mean, the jobs are definitely there for people that want to work. Um, you know, the other thing too that's interesting. In the way the climate is right now in the job market, if somebody wanted to try to do something a little different, now now's the time to do it. They're sure. they're they're looking for warm bodies to walk through the door. So if somebody, 
you know, ever had a, an inclination to get into manufacturing or whatever industry it might be, and they're doing something different, now's a great time to do it. Yeah, I would agree. I was actually in Chicago yesterday and through an industrial park. If I passed 20 places, I'm going to bet at least a third of them had help wanted signs out. Mm-hmm. And it's no different here in Indy or anywhere else in Indiana, I guess, for that matter. Right. Outside of the employment piece, what else is a uh, key topic these days? You know, we're, again, like I said workforce is number one. Number number two is, is probably health care cost. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at, you know, there's been probably seen all the, the studies that have been out recently about hospital costs in Indiana. Um, I, I think we're number five or six in the country as far as the highest hospital cost, okay. which is, um, you know, certainly a detriment for for employers, number one, just on the on the cost of it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, other manufacturers or other businesses in general that might be headquartered out of state that are looking to add another plant or whatever it might be in Indiana. We've, we've heard some, we've heard some horror stories about that, that, you know, on internal documents that has the letters, you know, ABI, which is stands for anywhere, but Indiana. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I've so, not, I mean, I've not heard that. Yeah. Um, that's interesting to hear. And the reason, only reason why I say that is because you look at maybe some other, like the tech industry, we'll use this example. When Salesforce bought Exact Target, and this may not be a great correlation to the manufacturing industry, but but it's a story nonetheless. They were excited about Indy just because you know being headquartered in San Francisco, cost of living and cost of doing business in San Francisco is so astronomical. Right. They're like, hey, let's let's put butts in seats in Indy. Yeah. Um, but I can also understand yeah, that what factors work in you know the opposite direction, and clearly cost of healthcare is one of them. Right. Yeah. That's. You know, you think about, you know, relocating a business to Indiana. I mean, cost of living is great. You know, our economy has been really good. Yep. That that healthcare cost piece of it is is really kind of leading the way on the on the negative side. For sure. Yeah, certainly. I mean, as a as a small family owned business in the manufacturing space, if you were to rank our expense line items from top to bottom or greatest to least, uh, healthcare costs as the employer portion, let alone the employee portion, would uh, certainly be towards the top. Right. It's a it's a challenging environment not only for uh, from the a pure business aspect on a P and L basis, but also when you look at going back to workforce, recruiting, uh, retaining team members, and having to to navigate the the whole picture, let alone then some of those specific items like healthcare costs. That's right. It's um. It's a challenging, challenging situation. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's an issue that that the IMA's governmental affairs team is is, is working on. Um, it's, you know, at the point where it's being addressed in the general assembly. What comes out of that, you know, kind of remains to be seen. But yeah. I think it's, you know, front and center on everyone's radar. Um, I'm gonna backtrack real quick because. One thing we, we, we skipped over, um, I called you coach in the beginning. Um, let's touch on that real quick. What, uh, I'll let you tell the story. Uh, how did you, I know you've been involved with coaching various sports, at least from what I uh, see firsthand as, as, as girls basketball. Right. What prompted that and how long have you been doing that? You know, I've, uh, 
trying to think. I, th- I think I'm in my 18th year of coaching girls okay. basketball. So um, I, I actually, I had a friend of mine, real good friend of mine, who asked me to help him coach before our daughter was even born. So I kind of got started on the girls' side early. Mm-hmm. Our daughter's born. By the time she's in, you know, second and third grade, I'm, I'm helping out with, with her teams. When she got to fourth grade, you get the, the, the call, you know, right. would you be willing to do this, which I did. And, you know, no good deed goes unpunished, right? So year after year after year, you, you just kind of keep, keep going. Yep. Um, it's, I, I, I love it, though. It's honestly, it, it's a passion of mine. Um, like I said, I've been doing it about 18 years now, um, the last six years uh, over at Bishop Chittard. So mm-hmm. I was the, uh, the, the head freshman girls coach for four years. This past year, uh, moved up and was a assistant on the varsity team, and so I'll be heading into my my second year with the varsity team this okay. this coming fall. Yeah, I had a feeling it had something to do with maybe uh, grade school days and and with your own kids or somebody else's kids, and got talked into it and been hooked ever since. Yeah, and it, you know it's funny too. I've had I've had some opportunities to, you know, go and coach some boys and. Um, I'll, I'll never forget a, a conversation with my daughter when she was in fifth grade, and I, she probably doesn't even remember this day. Um, they were having trouble finding head coaches for some of the girls' teams. Well, about that time, too, the boys' teams are getting ready to start their tryouts. They, they go okay. a little bit later right. than, than the girls. And a flood of parents walk in the door that are ready to coach the boys. And I, my, my, my daughter looked at me and she goes, you, know, you could see that quizzical look on her face, right? And, and uh, she goes, well, you'll always coach the girls, won't you? So there you go. <laughs> 18 years later, it's yes, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still on the girl side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, all right, shifting gears back to the IMA conversation. Um, who, who's a typical member? And I'm sure there's probably different categories, whether it be a, a manufacturing member or a supplier member or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. What does what does membership look like? And if someone, and why why should someone be a part of it? Sure. So we have you know roughly a thousand members in the state of Indiana right now. We have regular members, which are, are true manufacturers, and then we have associate members, which are. You know, anybody that provides some sort of product or service to manufacturers could be a CPA firm, you know, a, a software company, what, whatever that might be. Coatings distributor. A coatings distributor, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so that that's kind of, you know, just the overall look at the membership. What, what's interesting is a lot of people think that only the large companies belong to trade organizations. Right. And, and we do have, you know, the Eli Lillys and the Hondas and the Toyotas and the Subarus as members. When you look at our manufacturing members, 80% of them are 250 employees and below. Okay. And 50% of them are 50 employees and below. Really? Wow. So there's a little bit of a, of a misperception there um, on who belongs to a trade organization and, and who doesn't. And... You know, the fact of the matter is it, it, it's the smaller manufacturers that right. really need the resources that we provide sure. and can lean on us for different things. Right. So um, that kind of just gives you a snapshot maybe of, of who's who our members are. Um, 
in terms of why someone should should belong to the, to the IMA. There's a lot of different reasons that, that, that people join our organization. And, you know, starting at the very top, we have, you know, people that we call mission members. And they are manufacturers that, you know, may have been members of the IMA for 50, 60 years. We've, okay. we've actually been around since 1901. We're the oh, well. second oldest manufacturers association in the country. Um, I think Illinois has got us beat by three, four years. But, okay. Um, that doesn't count. They're barely a state. <laughs> that's they've they've got their own challenges going on over there for sure. Um, but we we do we have a large percentage that you know just buy into that mission. They mm-hmm. they want to strengthen the industry that provides for their livelihood. Um, you know we have a whole other group of people that you know really want the advocacy piece. They want to know what's going on at the state house. What's going to affect my business positively or negatively? Right. And they appreciate the fact that we are fighting on their behalf, um, you know, for the betterment of the industry. You know, then we have we have other folks that will join strictly to get our communication pieces, just to kind of stay abreast of what's going on in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some cost savings programs, whether it's you know insurance, um, you know environmental, you know environmental waste disposal services. You know, shipping programs, whatever it might be, that are offered at discounts. You know, that's something that's attractive to those people. Um, and then, honestly, we have people that maybe currently were not members, but they have a specific issue that they're dealing with right now. Okay. Um, perfect example of that. Just this past summer, first of June, I get a call from a from a company that they're they're actually based out of South Carolina. They have seven plants around the country and happen to have a very large, about a 450,000 square foot facility down by Columbus. Mm. Well, they were, they were getting energy curtailment notices from Duke Energy. Okay. And they got, I think it was three curtailment notices within a two-week period. So, you know, basically Duke wanted them to flip their switch off for a two-hour period to kind of rebalance the grid well, the problem was if they flip that switch off, it takes them 48 hours to get back up to optimum production levels. So they declined these notices and got levied some pretty hefty fines. Mm. So they contacted us and said, hey, is this something you can, you can help with? Well, we, we have relationships with all the utilities. Um, we actually have somebody from Duke Energy on our board. Okay. So they joined as, as a member and I think it was in probably a week and a half, week and a half's time, you know, we had kind of brokered some conversations and some, some things that would work for them. So no more curtailment notices coming. Right. So we have people that have a specific issue sometimes that will come to us, you know, for help too. Sure. No, that makes sense. That's good. Um, I, we'll, we'll get a little selfish here. For someone like Assessa, it's a distributor of coatings and other, you know, uh, chemicals selling to manufacturers of varying sizes. Um, what would make sense for us? I mean, what what benefits do you foresee uh, there being for someone like us? Well, again, kind of on that that over overarching thing, yeah. you want the industry to be strong and solid, sure, right? Because that's who you're selling to. So that piece of it is, is certainly important. For you in particular, um, I, I think the the networking piece of it yeah. would be huge. We yeah. 
we have a variety of events, you know, throughout the year, kind of lets you mingle with the folks that you're selling to. Right. Um, you know, you know, there's another thing that another piece of this that we offer um, that we offer to all of our members, but just a, a small fraction actually take advantage of it. We allow our members to submit, you know, once or twice a month, some type of informational article to us. So more of a content marketing type piece that okay. kind of helps position them as the, mm -hmm. the expert in their particular niche. The people that do that month after month mm -hmm. have told me point blank, that's worth the, the price of, of their membership dues right there, sure. just from an exposure um, you know, and a branding standpoint. Right. So those yeah, would probably good. be the two, two or three biggest factors, I think, for, for somebody like yourself. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha, and I and I, I do have a membership application uh, in, okay. my, in my briefcase yeah, when, when we're done. So. Yes, yeah. that was a soft sell. Soft sell. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, we're to it. So you you gave a specific example there where someone had an issue and they called on your your uh, group to, to help and, and mm -hmm. ultimately brought everyone to the, to the table mm -hmm. uh, to work through that. And then earlier you mentioned uh, one of the uh, goals of the. Uh, IMA is to work on issues that manufacturers in the in across all industries have. This specific example being workforce and workforce development, not mm -hmm. just taking what's there and and trying to elevate that, but more broadly speaking, grow the workforce so that from an employment standpoint, there's a a, a wider and deeper pool, mm -hmm. uh, which we are feeling as we mentioned, uh, very very strongly, uh, painfully. Uh, what are the, I mean, given the business climate today, which is wacky, which is a technical term, um, wacky, uh, between supply chain issues, pricing issues, um, you know, from inflationary pressures and, and just pure supply and demand, et cetera, what would you say the top three most pressing issues are, generally speaking, in the manufacturing environment in, in Indiana? Out, outside of, of what we uh, outside of workforce and yeah and if workforce is one of those three then say well just kind of ranking them out yeah I mean right right now if I had to go down the list it would be probably workforce one uh, supply chain issues two both you know just availability of raw materials and cost of raw materials mm -hmm. um, as you guys know lead times have you know gotten so stretched out that it's it's getting mm -hmm. it's getting crazy um, you know, healthcare cost right on, right on the heels of those. So, I mean, those would really be the top three that, yeah. that, that we're looking at right now. Um, you know, there's other things, um, you know, specific to manufacturers um, that our governmental affairs team addressed at the, at the last general assembly session, which is this business personal property tax okay. issue. I mean, right now um, in Indiana, you, you look at the equipment that manufacturers purchase, I mean, it's, you know, millions and millions of dollars, you know, mm -hmm. for one machine. They can only depreciate that down to a 30% floor. And after that, you know, all, all bets are off. Right. I mean, we're really at a competitive disadvantage when you look at the surrounding states. Um, so that's something that our that our team is working on. You know, at this at this year's session in the General Assembly, they chose not to really address that. 
Um, it will be right back front and center next year, though, for it, sure. It seems odd when you consider Indiana being a, the, the, such a strong part of its economy, being manufacturing right. that that would be that that, that would exist. That that limitation. I completely agree, and the fact that you know, generally we are a very easy state to do business in. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, again, when you talk about manufacturing, you know, people that you know, we we touch that industry every day, right? right. Just to like you guys do. A lot of people that that don't really touch manufacturing don't really have a good concept of how important it is to our state, right. and it's. I mean, you look at the size of the state that Indiana is, we have a touch over 7,000 manufacturers in the state. Okay. And of that 7,000, it, 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 the total output from those manufacturers is about $102 billion, which accounts for 28% of the state's gross domestic product. Um, and then when you look at the employment side of it, about 17% of our total workforce okay. is in manufacturing. Um, and and that number really is, it isn't even a, a fair number because the way the, the feds actually account for it, that just accounts for production type workers. Right. So if you work in HR or finance for a manufacturer, you're not counted in those uh-huh. numbers. So, so it's well, it's, well over 20% for it, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, State of manufacturing, we've kind of touched on indirectly a little bit. Um, things are very, very robust still um, from what we've seen. And I, I, I assume that you're going to uh, kind of back this up. The demand is still there. Now we're trying to figure out. I had, you know, six hours plus behind the wheel yesterday. So I got to listen to CNN for a long time, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad. But the, the, the conversation centered around manufacturing or the, just the economy in general is, now, you have this demand still built up. Is it being extended because supply can't keep up with it? So they're trying to figure out, you know, for those who think a recession is looming versus those who don't, and then, the, and then somewhere in the middle lies, okay, yeah, there's going to be a pullback, but when is it? And they're trying to project when they think that will be. And most folks were saying not in 2022 because there's still too much demand. And because the supply hasn't hit it yet, it's going to be stretched out easily. But is that 2023? Is it 2024? And of course, to what extent? Flip a coin that no one knows. Yeah. If you have that answer, that'd I, be great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had the crystal ball to right. uh, to, to pull that one out. Um, I, I don't. I, I think you're exactly right, though. I mean, manufacturing, even through COVID, stayed very strong. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, some, we had some manufacturers that, you know, maybe they were really tied to the automotive industry with the chip shortage and everything that was going on there they certainly had a dip but then it came back pretty pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, I, I, I do think I do think you know 2022 I don't think you're gonna see that the, the pullback that you're talking about right. um, you know I was just at a, a, a very large manufacturer last week um, they said they're they're about I think they have 1,200 employees at this plant currently. Okay. And he said they're about 400 employees low on where they. Can you would share what industry they're in? At, at the trailer industry. Yeah, okay. It's a trailer manufacturer. 
Um, so you said twelve hundred employees. They currently have twelve hundred, and, and optimal is sixteen hundred. Correct. Um, I thought we had problems. <laughs> yeah, and I, I asked him. I said, "Any idea where you're going to find that, those four hundred employees?" And <laughs> you know, the arms went up. But but he said, with the the current twelve hundred employees they have right now, it will it will get them through with what's going on with the supply chain. Yeah. The, they'll be able to stay you know at a good production level based on what their suppliers are able to supply to them. Right. <clears throat> Once that all gets rebalanced, then it's going to get real interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But to your question, Vince, I, I, I don't know when that pullback's going to be. Um, you know, I'm hoping it's one of those things everybody talks about and never quite materializes. But, it's possible. You know, you never know. <laughs> right. There are a few people with that, that theory as well, or I mean, that it's really soft. Yeah. Things will right size somewhat, but yeah, as you just took it right out of my mouth that having a soft landing, right, uh, would be certainly be ideal. Absolutely, I think what's what's really interesting is when you look at uh, the pricing pressures and people are talking about a bubble, and I don't mean like a housing bubble, although that's also being talked about. Uh, but it's not like things are so much overbuilt because of uh, shaky foundational aspects. It's a true economic supply and demand issue. And when you look at some of the other factors in the economy nationally and here in the state, the unemployment rate is so low that the, the people that are employed, they're, you know, you have real wage growth. Yes, you have the cost of living increasing. That, that sort of comes with supply and demand in a booming economy, especially coming out of what I think a lot of people don't, don't really pay attention to because it was so fast was the economic reset that occurred in the depth of COVID was so deep, but yet so fast and narrow that as things came back up, they, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like the Great Recession of two thousand eight to two thousand ten or two thousand seven to two thousand nine, kind of depending on when it hit you. Mm-hmm. That just seemed to be prolonged with a really slow, uh, drawn out recovery. But that that downfall at the depth of COVID was so quick and so sharp. But then the rebound was essentially a 180, right. um, that net for net, things are up f- from pre-COVID, but they're not as bad as where they were when you say, okay, well, this time compared to a year ago or two years ago now, because good Lord, it's April 13th and two years ago was when we were, <laughs> that was, April was like the depth of COVID for, for us anyway, in terms of when things were really like, you know, shut down or figuring out what coming back means. Um, it just be really interesting to see for, for manufacturing in Indiana, and then, and where the end products go. So all these manufacturers making trailers, RVs, cars, uh, durable goods, electronics. You know, ultimately everything's in some way or another a consumer product or goes into a consumer product. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And how do we circling back to those top three issues? How do we address those? Not only through folks at the IMA and, and through the lobbying and legislative legislative process, but as a business community, how does that get fixed? Yeah, I mean, it's no, it's a great question, and there's a lot of questions tied tied up in there for sure. Um, you know, I there, there, I just read of just a couple of weeks ago of a another trailer manufacturer that they are they are two years out wow. right now. Um, that's it's good. So. In a way, and, and yeah, there's a yeah, it's good and good and bad. There's and caveats. There's, there's exactly. Yeah. Um, 
you know what I'm what I'm really interested to see is with the chip shortage. Mm-hmm. You know the way, you know not only automotive but you know everything else that involves chips. At what point do we really start seeing some positive gains in that sector? Um, you know, and I think that that might give us that glimpse into when does the supply chain issue really kind of start to to work itself out a little bit. Right. Um, There's been a lot of news on that. I mean, pl- new plants being uh, built or et cetera. But right. of course, those don't just go up overnight. Those are a multi-year process. Right. Uh, congrats to the Buckeyes on getting a nice uh, deal there. Any, any chip manufacturers out there listening or watching, you want to come build in Indiana, contact the IMA. <laughs> Hell, call, call us. We'll figure out who to put you in contact with. We'd love to have uh, a couple of those plants in the, in the Hoosier State for sure. Absolutely. You talking Absolutely. about potato chips? Uh, well, yeah. Or that, tortilla we'll chips? That potato chips. for tortilla chips and potato <laughs> chips. Call yeah. him for, you know, processing chips, computer-related. Yeah. Didn't at one time I – sh- I should know this before I speak, but um, the – I don't think he's CEO anymore. The, the, the former CEO, it's I think it was Cisco. Was it was an IU grad? But Cisco doesn't they don't make chips um, anyway. So I don't know where I was going with that. Cisco didn't he sing the thong song? Wrong Cisco. Oh, I thought you meant the <laughs> rapper. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, any questions you have for us? No, I, I, I wish you guys had the crystal ball that could look into the supply chain and all this stuff too, dude. If I had the crystal ball, it would be spitting out the winning Powerball numbers for tonight. And <laughs> you'd show up to work tomorrow, right? Yeah, I would. And the next day? N- not some. And I don't the know. The next day? I don't know about and the day after, after that. that. But I'll be there tomorrow with the Bloody Mary bar. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. He wants to put in his two weeks' notice face to face, right? He's not well, going to mail yeah, it in. Uh-huh. So. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would give a month ish. 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 <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, if you're listening in for wherever wherever you get your podcast, thanks for uh, tuning into this episode. For those viewing on YouTube, thank you. Um, YouTubers, if you have not subscribed to the channel, please smash that subscribe button. Click the little bell icon for notifications. Um, We thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the Industrious Podcast. And don't forget, be industrious. See ya.